your story. Do you know what history is? History is his story. History is his story. We have history. We have a story. It can be good and it can be bad. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. It's how do we get through it? Now, some of us have had a very good past, one that brings many good memories, feelings, that we've been blessed with good parents, we've been blessed with a great upbringing, um, spiritual heritage is all about us, uh, we grew up in the pews of the church, we have so much benefit, we have a good, solid foundation for growth. And for that, be ever thankful. For that, be ever thankful. But here's the issue. Don't let that overshadow your responsibility for your future. Meaning that our past is just that. It's our past. Our past, we cannot live in it. We cannot depend on it for our future. Each one of us have to take our own personal responsibility for what happens from today on because what happened yesterday, whether it's good or bad, has to stay there. I can't live in the past. I can't go back there and, and let that determine my future. I have to take a stand from to say that that was the past, this is today, and then the future. Because we will be on our own, we will be alone come the day of judgment. We will stand not on our past, but we will stand all alone in our day of judgment. Now, there are others here that haven't had such a good experience in their past. There are others here that didn't have a good family upbringing. They weren't fortunate enough to have godly parents and had the opportunity to be raised understanding Christian principles. Unfortunately for them, they don't have the foundation that maybe some of us else have. But we still have the future. I want to talk about the past so we can then work toward the future. But before I get there, for those that weren't brought up in a good home and with good parents and weren't taught from the beginning... Understand two things. Number one, it's not your fault. It's not your fault that you weren't brought up with a good upbringing. So many people carry bondage with them thinking that it was something they did. It's not your fault. You had no control over what family you were born into. You have no control over that. So therefore, do not come under bondage because you didn't have the background that somebody else had. Let that go. That's important. We have to make sure that you don't feel condemned because of your past. And if you do, then this message is for you. What we're going to talk about is for you today. When we consider the past, we, we can look at it in two different ways. We either cling to it or we run from it. We either cling to our past or we run from it. And we probably cling to it for a couple reasons. One reason, because it's so good. Because we had such a good past. Because we had such a good upbringing. Because we have such good memories of the past that we just don't want to leave them. We just don't want to separate ourselves from the past because it was so good. And some of us have that, and isn't that a great thing? Another reason that some of us cling to our past is because we have become delusional <laughs> as the way we look at our past. We have a selective memory that forgets the pain and chooses only to remember the good. I think if you talk to most mothers here that have had babies, that they would say that when they were going through the childbirth process, it was very bad. 
But give them that child on their, on their chest, on their lap, when the, the, within, within minutes, they forget the pain. I forgot the pain. <laughs> Four times I forgot it. <laughs> if it was so bad the first time, was it her problem to have the three? I don't know. She could have stopped at one. But anyway, but here's, here's the clincher on this. Then we wouldn't have had Jenna. What a terrible thought. But here's the, here's the clincher on, on how we look at the past sometimes. The good that we think we're remembering, in reality, might not have been that good after all. So sometimes if, we're, if we look delusional at the past, it's just that. It's a delusion. Let me give you an example. If you turn in your book, your Bible, your book, Exodus chapter 16, First six verses. We're talking about the Israelites as they were being delivered or they were delivered from Egypt. It says, Exodus chapter 16, it says, The whole Israelite community set out of Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. And I want to talk about a couple things here. Number one, see how quickly they forgot the past. It said here that it was the 15th day of the second month after they came out of Egypt. If I calculate that right, that's about 45 days. So they've been in the desert for about 45 days after they saw God deliver them miraculously. What did they see in Egypt? They saw, first of all, they were there 400 years. They were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And these weren't just easy slave years. These were hard labor years in Egypt. And many, many died working and slaving in the mud pits. Who's seen the Ten Commandments? We've all seen the Ten Commandments. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen what they went through, if you want to believe Hollywood, even if that was a long, long time ago. But it was bad. It wasn't good. So they were there 400 years. They saw, then when it came for God to deliver them, they saw supernatural things. They saw plague after plague that came upon the, the Egyptians that did not affect the Israelites. They saw the death angel come, and they slayed the first, slewed, slayed, killed, the firstborn of all Egypt but yet they were spared. So they saw that pretty miraculous thing. And here's the thing that I just can't believe they forgot about. The Red Sea. How can you forget the Red Sea splitting and walking across on dry ground? Now, we're, we're pretty fortunate. We can go down to Lake Michigan and imagine it. Imagine going down to the beach at Lake Michigan and, and, and having Moses hold out his staff and the waters part. I don't know how it happened, but it must have been amazing. Could you imagine the wind that it would have taken, or whatever it caused, whatever God caused that, to watch the water part, and then they walk across on dry ground? We're talking about a million people here. There were seven, six hundred thousand people or so. I have the, the words it's in there correctly, but six hundred thousand people or so, and that's just men. Now you add women and children to it. There were about a million people that walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. 
Does that blow you away? Not only that, then once they got across, Pharaoh's army was coming across. And what happened? The Red Sea then swallowed up Pharaoh's army and killed his army. So that's pretty miraculous. How in the world can they forget that so quickly that they're grumbling against Moses and Aaron because they don't have food? Now, I'm sure that during the process of being set free, they were amazed. How could you not be? I'm sure that they were amazed during the process. But as soon as they got over, as soon as that was over, and the, un, the, the mundane nature of life came in, they forgot. Forty-five days is not a whole long time to forget that. But it's amazing, though, the routine of life, the monotony of life can be very powerful. It can bring on a depression. It can bring on discouragement. It can bring on a lot of bad things to our heart and to our mind if we allow it. And that's what happened to them. What would we have expected their reaction to be when the food began to run out? It's interesting to note that they left with a lot, with a lot of plunder. When they left Egypt, a lot of material wealth was given to them freely. They, the Egyptians gave it to them as plunder. They left with food. They left with resources. Isn't it interesting to know that God let them use up their own resources before he supplied them his resource? Has God let you use up your resource yet? Has God let you use up what you have only to get you to the point where you have no choice, where you have to depend on God? Isn't that interesting that he did that? That he didn't give them the manna and the quail on day one. He let them go through the process. Now, do you think that God knew they were going to run out of food? Yeah, I think he knew it. Do you think the Israelites knew they were going to run out of food? No, I don't think they knew. First of all, they had no idea where they were going. They had no idea how long they were going to be out in the desert. So I don't think they had any... any idea what was going to happen to them. Just like, I don't have any idea what's going to happen to me. And you don't have any idea what's going to happen to you. They had no idea. So by them using their food, their, their resources, their, ra their rations, when it, get, when it got to the end and they had nothing, do you agree with their response? How would you have responded in that situation? How are you responding to that situation? See, they had the benefit, at least, of seeing a great miracle. Many great miracles. And they couldn't believe. I would have thought they could have gone to Moses and said, Hey, Moses, we're getting a little low on food here. And, uh, and you know, God delivered us in these other situations so mightily. Do you think he can do it again? Do you think he might be able to come and rescue us again? And I think that's kind of what God wanted from his people. But that's not their response. What was their response? Their response was a delusional memory of what, they, what happened to them. Verse 3 says, in the message, it says, Why didn't God let us die in comfort in Egypt, where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? Now, do you think they were in comfort in Egypt? 
No, there was no comfort in Egypt. They were there struggling every day. They had to go out to the mud pits every day and make bricks. And at the end, it was actually without straw. So it got even harder for them. But yet, their memory says, because they were trying to make a point of their present situation, their memory said, why did God, why didn't he just let us die there? At least we had all the food we could eat and we were in comfort. Well, folks, that's not a delusion. That's an all-out lie. How many times has the enemy come to you about your past and just all out lied about it to get you to think about your present? See, the whole point of this was they wanted to argue. They wanted to argue with Moses and Aaron to say how bad it was and how bad they were being treated in the present. And so they used the past to argue about the present. But they didn't argue the past right. If they would have looked at the past correctly, they would have said, you know, it was really bad there. And we really had a hard time with it there. And, and we were struggling and it was painful. And I'm so glad to be out of that. Moses, can we, get, can we find another way? But they didn't take that approach. They came grumbling against Moses and Aaron, delusionally remembering their past, to use it as a point to argue their present. And you know what? It's a fortunate that they had a merciful God. It's fortunate that God had mercy on them and was gracious with them. Because I don't know that I would have been so, mer so merciful and gracious to them after what they are doing now, after what we do. What, if I was God, I would have looked and said, don't you realize what I just did for you? And now you're a grumbling people. And, and that was their track record for, as you continue to read the story. But God is gracious and he's kind and he's merciful and he's patient. Amen. You know what? We serve the same God. He's merciful and he's patient and he's compassionate to you just like he was to them. We're not any different. How many times have you experienced those breakthroughs in your life? How many times have you experienced the move of God in your life only to quickly forget about it when the next problem comes? This is where we need to take control of our feelings, take control of our flesh, and don't allow the enemy to work delusionally in our past. You really can't trust your past. You can't trust how you remember your past. Here's the key. You have to let your past go. Whether it's good or bad, you need to let your past go because otherwise you're tempted to live there. And we're not to dwell upon our past. We're not to remember it the way it was because we will, the enemy will use it against us in our present and use it against us in our future. Remember, he is a deceiver. And he's working very hard to keep us defeated. And he will do everything he can to use my past against me. And use your past against you. So we have to recognize that and don't fall into that trap of deception. Satan is a god of the past. Understand this. He has no future. Satan has no future. His future is already sealed. It's damnation and destruction. I have a future. You have a future. And when he comes against us, he's trying to take my future. He has none. So understand that. He has no future. 
Okay, another way we look at our past is that we run away from it. We run from it. We either cling to it because it's so good or because we're delusionally um, selective memory going back and trying to grab the good out of the past and we're trying to live in the past because we're clinging to it or it's so bad that we're running away from it. Now, if you're going to do one of the two, I think running from it is better than clinging to it. But let me ask you the question here. Is that is there a difference between running away from something and running to something? Running away from something or running to something. If you're running away from something that isn't properly dealt with, that problem will go with you. In fact, it will outrun you and it will be there waiting for you when you get to that destination of where you're going. If you're running away from a problem and you haven't dealt with the problem, it will meet you at your location where you're going. Think about your, a job situation. If you're running because you don't like your boss, if you're running because you don't like something that you haven't properly dealt with and you think you're going to go to someplace else and not have that problem there, you're going you're to run away from your problem, rest assured that that attitude that you had back there that caused the problem in the first place, because more than likely it was probably you that was the problem, more than likely that problem, not more than likely, I'll guarantee you, that problem is going to outrun you and get to the next job and be waiting for you when you get there because you haven't properly dealt with it. So if you're running away from something, it'll outrun you. Does that make sense? Am I clicking with anybody on that one? Now, if you're running to something, it's a little different. Because if, I'm, if I, I may have problems at my job or I may have problems with wherever it's at, you know, and, and folks, I tell you, it could be a marriage. It could be those that have had marriage problems. Again, if you don't deal with the problem, you don't think that you, and, and think the next mate is going to solve your problems, well, guess what? She or he isn't. If the problem's within you, you have to take care of the problem. So now you've taken care of the problem and you want to move. You can do that. Now you can run to something. You're running to the next opportunity because you've taken care of the problem. So the problem isn't there. So you're not running away from the problem. You're running to the next opportunity that God has given you. And that's a good thing. That's the way we should make moves in our life. That's the way we should make job changes. That's the way we should look at, our, uh, at, at every decision that we make. Why am I leaving? Why am I running from it? Am I running away from something or if I'm running to something? And when you run to something because you've taken care of the problem, because you've taken care of the issue, whatever it is, now you're, now you're free to move. I mean, you're free to move. And you have a clean slate and you have no issues. You're not, it's not going to meet you there because it doesn't travel with you because you've taken care of it. So what does that have to do with dealing with our past? Well, some people have a really hard time dealing with the memories of the past. Just like your memories can lie to you saying that it really wasn't that bad, your memories can lie to you saying that you really are bad. In fact, you're so bad, nobody loves you. In fact, you're so bad... You can't be forgiven. You're worthless. You are trash. You know that you have no value. You know that, that what you did was so bad. 
Oh, I can't even describe how bad it was. It was so bad that God cannot forgive you. God cannot forgive me because what I did was so bad. Have you ever heard that from people? Let me tell you one more time. Satan is a god of the past. He has no future. That's where he wants you to live. Because I'll tell you what, there is nothing that you've done that is so bad that God cannot or will not forgive you. Understand that. There is nothing that you've done that is so bad. I'm speaking to somebody right now. That is something that's so bad that you've done that God cannot or will not forgive you if you ask. But many times, we're drawn to the past. We're drawn to our misery. Because you know why? I can't forgive myself. That's another trick of the devil. Because he will not let you forgive yourself for what you've done. If you're forgiven by God, then you can forgive yourself. And that's your worst en- most of the time, that's your worst enemy is yourself, your own thinking about yourself. We are to have a proper understanding of our ego and who we are. We are to love ourselves. If I can't love myself, I can't love anybody. I have to love myself. I have to have a sense of of right relationship with myself. Because if I can't love myself, then I can't love you, and I can't love my wife, and I can't love my kids. Now, certainly that can be taken to the extreme to to make it all about me. So let's not go to that extreme. There's a proper perspective of our own psyche we are to love ourselves. We are to take care of ourselves. We are to, to forgive ourselves. But the enemy, the enemy, the God of the past, says, No, you're not forgivable. You're not worthy of, of forgiveness. You are not worthy because you didn't have this upbringing. You didn't have this situation in your life. You said this. You did that. You performed that. You've had multiple relationships with people. You've done lots of things wrong. And you have. And I have. But understand, the God of the future wipes away our past. The God of the present the God of the future, Jesus Christ, wipes away the past and he wipes your slate clean and he says, move on. Let it go. Move on. It's time to be a new creation. It's time to be a new creature and it's time to move on. God is the God of our past and the present and the future. The word for today is this. He is the creator of the universe. He is, he is the one that sent his son Jesus as a perfect sacrifice for our sins and our past transgressions. The God of the past, the God of the present, and the God of the future has everything under his control, including my life, including your life. You have nothing to hang your head about anymore. 
You have nothing to beat yourself up for, for anymore because if you become a membership, if you, be, if you have a relationship with the God of the future, He will take your past and He will destroy it. Psalms 103, the first 12 verses, says it very nicely. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good, with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, not, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Do you see in this verse what we've been talking about so far? Go back to verse 2. He says, and forget not all his benefits. He tells us now in this verse to forget not our benefits. He would have gone to the Israelites and says, forget not my miraculous power. Forget not how I saved you. Forget not how I, I, I delivered you out of the Egyptians' hands. Forget not all his benefits. What are some of those benefits that we're not to forgive? Verse 3 through 5, he, who, who, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Redeems your life from the pit, that's hell. That's everlasting destruction. The pit is hell. He's redeemed us from that. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Do you see in this, on these three scriptures right here, he's taken the past and he's moving from forget not the benefits of the past and he moves it to the present. Who is then going to take it to the future. And that is one thing Satan can't do. He cannot take it from the past to the present to the future because he's limited to the past. So when we recognize that his limitation is to the past, then we can take joy because our God will take us to the future. Again, for some of us, we have a really hard time accepting the fact that our past is redeemable. We are under the false belief that we are too bad to be forgiven. But that's not true. Even though our sins deserve death, through the redemption of Jesus, God doesn't treat us that way. Look at verse 10. He says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We deserve death. There's nothing that I can do to deserve life because I was once a sinner. I once was a sinner. Do you hear the word was? I'm not a sinner anymore. We talked about it in the Sunday school class today. I am not a sinner anymore. Though do I do sin sometimes? I do. But I have to repent on a regular basis. But I am not a sinner. Don't let the devil tell you that you're a sinner. Don't let him come to you and say that you are unforgivable, that you are unredeemable, that you are so bad. That is a lie from the pit of hell. 
Because we, as we deserve death, verse 10 says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. They didn't have the cross when David was writing the psalm, but he saw it happening. He was a prophet. He saw it happening. He knew. He didn't know the details, but he knew that Christ was coming. He knew that he, he had the anticipation in his spirit. Our benefit is we know and we can feel it and we can accomplish it and we can apply it in our lives. And then here's really a good verse. Verse 12. He removes our transgressions. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. This is the key. Once you've been forgiven, they're never going to be held against you again. The enemy will bring it back. The enemy will bring back that, that feeling. He'll bring back that emotion. He'll bring back that, that sense of, of, of dirtiness. But God won't. He says he removes it as far as the east is from the west. Why east from the west and north from the south? Because north and the south have a, have, a, have a beginning and an end. If you go far enough south, you're going to get to the south pole, then you're going to be coming north again, and you're going to become in a circle. But if you go east to west, east to west, they never meet. There's never, they never meet. If I go east, I'm going to go east forever and ever and ever. If I go west, I'm going west ever and ever and ever. They never come back and meet each other. Therefore, your sins are never held against you. As far as the east is from the west, you'll never have to deal with that again. You'll never have to deal with that condemnation again because God will not hold it against you because he promises you that much. In Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. This is a promise. <laughs> this is a promise from God that I am taking your dry, barren land, your life that was a wasteland, and I'm making it new. I'm bringing streams of living water. I'm going to bring fruit to your wasteland again, and I'm going to bring you into, into a, a fullness of joy, and I'm going to make you productive. You are a new thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things become new. That means your past. That means your history. That means the way you have to deal with it becomes new. In conclusion this morning, as we, as we wrap up the service here, let me ask you a couple of questions. Where are you living? Are you trapped in the past? Are you clinging to it? Or are you running away from it? Either way, God has not limited you to live there. He does not want you to live there. We're supposed to get away from that. We're supposed to take a new step. Because as we said in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, if any man or woman or a young person be in Christ. He is a new creation, a new creature. No matter what your past was, no matter what my past was, we're at a common ground right now because we are at the present. 
we are all sharing one thing in common right now, and that is this moment in time. No matter what my past was or your past, we are here. We might have been totally 180 degrees apart at the beginning of our life or throughout a period of life, but right now, we are here. Here's the, here's the question for you. What are you doing with this moment in time? What are you doing with this moment in time? This is the day that you can be delivered of your past. This is the day that you can put all that behind you, whether you were clinging to it or whether you were trying to run away from it. The fact that we're here together at this moment in time and that we have a gracious, compassionate, patient God, there's a chance. There's a chance for all of us. We've said it before, and I'll say it again because this point has to be made. If you're chasing the God of the past, that's Satan. And he has no future. He has no benefit for you in the future because he has none. Have you ever thought about that? He has no future. Therefore, he is out to destroy me because I have one, because you have one, and he wants to take yours with him to the pit of hell. And if you allow him to, beginning right now, it's your choice. Don't let him dictate your future. Don't let him come and give you the delusional memories of your past, being that it wasn't that bad. Or, I'm not that bad of a person. Or, I'm so bad I can't be forgiven. Don't let him play those games with you. Understand that now is the day. This is the day that you've set all that straight. This is the moment that you choose who's your God. Who is your God? Do you want to serve the God of the future? Or do you want to serve the God of the past? If you'd stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to realize how much power that you have in your words, how much power you have in your choices. No matter what the enemy is saying to you right now, if you feel a tug in your spirit, you have the power to receive that tug or you have the power to reject that tug. Do you know what I'm talking about? Tug's not a boat. <laughs> I'm not talking about tugboat. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit giving you that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach. That uncomfortable feeling like, yeah, he's talking to me. Understand, I don't know who I'm talking to, but I know the Holy Spirit's talking to somebody here this morning. Somebody here that is holding on to that past, whether it's good or bad. You're holding on to it. And I'm here this morning to tell you to, lie, to, to let it go. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to beg you.
to let it go. Because the God of the future is here to redeem you, your life. Oh, Father, if you'd close your eyes with me and just examine your own heart for a minute. Just close your eyes and, and think of a few things. First of all, you know if there's sin in your life. You know it. You know how you're dealing with your past. What are you feeling in your spirit right now? Are you feeling a sense of joy because I've taken care of my past? I've taken care of it and I'm no longer running from it. I'm no longer clinging to it because I know that Jesus lives in my life. That's what a Christian feels today. But if you're feeling a little tug in your spirit, understand that this is the moment for you. And we want to help you in this time. I'd like to end with a, just a, a quick prayer. But I want to ask you, if you're feeling a tug in your spirit, I'd, I'd, I'd ask you to, do, to be bold here, to get out of your seat and to come up here and stand in the front. Now, this doesn't mean you're a sinner. This means that you're having a problem with dealing some of your past. It means that you need a new help, a little bit of an encouragement to get through this present time. So if you're feeling, if you're feeling anything in your spirit here, I, I would encourage you. We're going to sing a song. And I'd like to invite you to come forward. And then if you come forward, I want to invite everyone to come up. And I want to have a closing prayer in the front. But I want those first. And the reason I'm asking it this way is because I want you to take responsibility for something. It's not me wanting you. The Holy Spirit wants you to take responsibility for something. This is not about me. It's about you right now. This is about you and your ability to be honest with yourself and honest with the God of the future to say, I'm putting away the God of the past. I'm putting away Satan and I'm not going to let him dictate my future anymore. And I am going to make a stand right now and I'm going to be bold and I'm going to come up in front, in front of my friends, in front of my family and I'm going to say, you know what? I am making a stand right now that my past is my past and my future is my future and I need help doing it. This doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means that you need Christ. So I'm going to give you about 30 seconds and then we're going to sing a song and then I'm going to ask everybody to come up front. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you, just come up front. We want to pray with you. We want to just surround you with our love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Your obedience right now in doing this is making the difference because you're telling, this, you're telling the, the God of the past that you're done with them. And you are taking an obedient stance here to say, you know what, I have my future because I am selecting the God of my future right now. <laughs> Lord, we just come before you. 
Lord, we thank you for your honesty of those that are here. Come around the rest of us. Let's come. Jackie, would you lead us in a song? And let's spend some time on just prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. understand what's happening today there's a great thing in